Hello, this is Robert Fleming, partner in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming & Curdy PLC. I'm sitting here with my partner and uh, usual participant in these podcast episodes, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, I wanted to talk to you about uh, elaborate estate planning. We, we see a lot of clients who, who uh, really have very fixed, complicated ideas about what they want to do. In the event that, uh, that someone dies before them, then they want to have 2% of the estate go here, and, it, and they spend a long time thinking about what that exact percentage is and who gets to share in it and not offending cousin, whoever. Uh, what, do you, what is your view of, uh, of that elaborate kind of estate plan approach? Well, I think it's a challenging one. And when we meet with people, Robert, our goal is always to hear what they themselves would imagine to be their favorite, best estate plan that they could possibly put together, what, what's on their mind. And after listening to that, normally people come away with some pretty complicated notions of what their perfect estate plan looks like. And it often has restrictions both during their lifetime, maybe their children's lifetimes, very fixed amounts, notions about maybe what that grandchild's um, distribution will be 20 or 30 years from now. And so what I encourage people to do is start with broad goals. Is one of your broad goals to consolidate assets? Is having a revocable trust something that you want to consider? before jumping into what kind of very complex, irrevocable trust that that person might want. You know, I've carefully thought out my plan, and, and I, I think I want my, uh, my Bank of America account to go to uh, my daughter, and I want my Ameriprise account to go to my son, and I want the annuity to go. Is, are, are you going to be okay with, uh, with making this list and and keeping track of all of the specific things? Well, listen, Robert, it's your estate plan, not mine. My goal as your estate planner is to sit down and see what's workable. And so for folks that come in with very strong notions about which account should go to which beneficiary or how much of an account should be going to one beneficiary or another, what I want to do is I want to understand the reasoning why. And oftentimes, once we start to talk about why that particular account is meant for that particular beneficiary, we can talk about some alternative ideas that might actually make for a more effective administration upon the person's death if they don't happen to have that account anymore, or if the balancing the account is different than what they imagine. So when I meet with people, I often ask, well, what are your goals in putting together an estate plan? And for those folks that are doing an estate plan for the first time, I try and encourage them to get something in place that we can tinker with, that we can change and adapt over time, but keep it simple at first. Let's just try and see what's workable to begin with. It surprises a lot of our clients, I think, when we don't list every asset they own in their will, or for that matter, in their trust. Although things may be titled to the trust, the trust may not ever make reference to the Wells Fargo Investment Advisory account or, uh, or whatever specific account they have. And they sort of expect when they come in that each thing they own is going to be identified and, and a recipient be named. Uh, so do we need to have all of that detail about, uh, about their assets in the will or in the trust? Well, the short answer is no. Should we? Maybe. The goal is to make the person comfortable. 
It's their money. It's their estate. So where I usually land with people who have very specific requests is we try and consolidate those into an abbreviated list. Maybe we're talking about things like brokerage accounts, and then we have a separate group of things that might be personal property, rather than listing each and every account, which very well might change. The other thing that we see all the time is somebody comes in with an existing will that we're updating. Maybe we wrote it, maybe we didn't. And and when I ask them, okay, how much do you want to go to your nephew? They say, well, in my will, it says 20%. And I say, but how much do you want? Well, 20% is what I've already done. It's very hard to get people to break out of the what they've already done, what their beneficiary designations are, to get them to step back and do that big picture that you're talking about. And and what's your actual, what are you actually trying to do? If you died tomorrow, please don't. But if you did, would you want your nephew to get $20,000, $100,000, By the way, do we need to leave a dollar or a dollar seventy-five or something to everybody who might contest the will? Oh, that's a wonderful question, Robert. Well, contesting the will or contesting a trust, that's its own podcast. Uh, what I would tell you is, If there are members of your family that you do not want to have receiving anything from your estate, then we really need to sit down and have a discussion about why and what that means and whether or not there should be any gifts and there should be an interim provision, which is also known as a no contest clause. So that conversation, Robert, I try and separate from the conversation about specific assets. Um, because when you're looking at somebody who you don't want to have receive any portion of your estate, that's a very different question and conversation than whether or not you want that person to have any of the money in your Bank of America account. I just encourage people to come in with an open mind, come in with some notes about your goals, and when we sit down and start to talk, realize that your estate planning is going to continue, hopefully, the rest of your life. We want to see folks every five to seven years or when they have major life events or they just want to come in and have a cup of coffee. And so what that means is the estate plan that you create today will probably be tinkering with as the law changes, as your life changes, as your goals change. I'll leave you with this. I sat down about three weeks ago with a gentleman who had updated his estate plan in the past three years. He would updated it seven times. And each time he was coming in to update, It was because he was consolidating accounts. And I asked him on this last last visit, I said, are you sure you want to list every account? And you know what? He had gotten so focused on these little updates, he actually hadn't thought about why he was doing it. And so we ended up really simplifying his plan. And I think that ultimately that'll serve him better. I completely agree. That's the hardest thing sometimes to get people to do, to, to step back and think about the big picture. What I'm trying to accomplish is to make sure that my niece gets a little something that she knows that I love her and that the, my favorite charity gets uh, you know, a couple of particular things and maybe X dollars. Uh, how do we do that? Don't come in thinking we need to leave this account to this person and this account to these three people equally. Instead, try to step back and keep the big picture. Speaking of big pictures, you've been listening to Elder Law Issues, a regular podcast of Fleming and Curdy, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm, with my guest, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and myself, Robert Fleming. Join us again next time. Talk to you then.